are in our second week of a new series called Reset. And I feel like, don't you feel like that's kind of what we're learning to do? How do we do this again? Okay, reset. Let's get back in the groove. Let's find our way. What is it that we're supposed to do next? And so that's what we're going to be talking about today, week two of Reset. Awesome. Um, good morning. How's everybody doing? Great group this morning here in person. If you're watching online, welcome. Uh, it's so good to have you. Um, I'm not sure. Did we get our Facebook and YouTube figured out, Jared? All right. So sweet. So we're having, we had some issues early, but we're good now. If you're at home and you can find a stir stick, why don't you grab it? Everybody else should have one in their seat. So why don't you grab your stir stick real quick? We're going to stir everybody up again, okay? So we're in week two. If you uh, watched or were here last week, we didn't get through all the message. And so typically, I would just kind of run through it and throw it away and move on to the next week. But um, there's some stuff that we need to learn today. We need to be stirred up a little bit. So we're going to stir up part two, okay? So re-stir part two. So take your little stir stick and poke the person next to you. Just poke them with a stick. Yeah. Um, now poke the person on the other side. You got to poke the other side too. They got to get it as well. If you're in the middle, I'm sorry, you got two pokes. If you're on the edge, you only got one. So see. Um, so kids, do we have kids again with us this week? Have you guys been stirring up your parents this week? Have you been stirring up your parents? All right. What have you been stirring up your parents to do? Love. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Stirring up your parents to love. Landon, have you been stirring up your grandma? No? Good job, man. Good job. So all of us have a tendency to stir up one another. We've been stirring up our spouses. I came in this morning, Rick Not, He's always stirring me up to love and good works, right? To love and good works. No, but um, Rick was like, I'm going to touch everybody. I'm going to hug everybody. So he gave him one of those big old fat hands, and he said, oh, I can still do it. I can still do it. So stirred me up a little bit this morning, so I had to walk away. That's what you got to do sometimes, you know, when you get stirred up, you got to walk away. Well, today I'm going to ask the question, we're going to ask ourselves the question, what is God stirring us up to do? Because stirring up is no good if there's no action, if there's nothing beyond the stirring. All it is is emotions. And we've seen a lot in our country over the last several months of a lot of people being stirred up, some to action and some to inaction, some to nothing. And so today we want to make sure that we're not a church of inaction. We want to make sure we're a church that is actually stirred, okay? So we're going to all participate, whether you're online or in person. I want to ask you to tell your neighbor, look at your neighbor, and tell your neighbor you're about to get stirred. Now turn to the other neighbor and act like you mean it and say, you're about to get stirred. And if they did not respond, grab your stick and poke them, okay? No, be nice. Okay, we're going to be nice. So I, what I want to do is I want us to pray together, and I want us to ask God to stir our hearts 
not just to stir it and then leave, but actually stir our hearts so that we can do something about it this morning, that he'd stir us to action. So let's pray. God, this morning, we want to put this service in your hands. We want to place um, this experience, God, uh, on your on your mind, on your heart, and I, I pray, God, that our hearts would be moved and that we would actually leave this place changed. We'd leave, our, we'd leave this place in action, God, because in your word we see over and over again that you stirred the hearts of people to actually do something, not to just stay and sit. So this morning, God, we pray that your word, as we read through it in the book of Ezra, that we would be stirred to action. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're heading down this path, uh, resetting our hearts and our minds, and over the next few weeks, we're trying to look at the overall character of God. We're trying to look at God's character throughout Scripture because, as we saw last week, a lot of times we want to cherry-pick or get into a, a specific passage and say, this verse applies to me, and we've seen this in our culture over and over again where we overemphasize a verse but, don't, but miss the character of God. And so God has a point and a purpose in his character, and we learn it over and over again, specifically in difficult situations. We're looking at our responses in difficult situations. Our response really determines our outcome. So when I'm confronted with stress, when I'm confronted with some kind of heated moment, when I'm confronted with some kind of situation in society, my response to that threat or my response to that stress determines my outcome. Mo a lot of us want to rush back to a normal that we experienced in February. But if you're like me and you've thought about it and you've really considered it and you've had a few months of just calm and pause, you've realized that we don't really want to go back to that normal. We want to take advantage of a reset. We want to take advantage of a new direction. Uh, what's the point of a do-over if we end up in the exact same spot that we were before? What's the point of having a second chance if that second chance just always takes us back to where we were? Let us take advantage of this divine reset and do something different. Maybe, just maybe, in our community, in our homes, in our lives, our outcome will be different. So we're working through the first part of the book of Ezra. Last week, believe it or not, we got one verse under our belts, and we're not going to do much better today. But I want you to let it sit on your heart what God did in the time of Ezra, and then we'll see in Scripture this pattern that God works in his people. People disobey, they walk away, God sends some kind of persecution and calls them back to himself and resets it. And so right now in our community, right now in our homes, right now in our church, we're experiencing a reset. We're experiencing a do-over, our second week in the building. Those of you that are watching online, no less important to us. We experience a new direction, and I'm so grateful to be able to experience services online and in person because we don't know what the future holds. Only God does. But in this passage in Ezra chapter 1, we find the Israelites that they had disobeyed God, and God had carried them off into a distant land as captives. They lived in another nation for 70 years, and after 70 years, God was opening the door and stirring the people to come back to Jerusalem. And so last week we saw that it was not God's will for their punishment to become their lifestyle. He didn't want their punishment to be where they stayed forever. And with us, God doesn't want our isolation to become our lifestyle. So we've all been distanced and separated and away from the gathering of our church. Yet that's not what God wants for long term. I think God was resetting things for us. God was resetting things for our church, a new direction for our church. You know, humanity has always had threats. Humanity has always had tension. Humanity has always lived on a string, except we live as it doesn't. We live as if we have the rest of our lives to figure it out, 
and yet we're not promised tomorrow. Anything can happen at any moment. So last week we left Ezra uh, chapter 1, verse 1. God stirred the heart of the king to send the Jewish people back to their homeland to rebuild the temple of God. Saw that God was in charge of who's in charge. When we see the stirring, it creates action. And so we're going to pick this back up in Ezra chapter 1, and we're actually going to read verse 1 again. It's because God's stirring always brings action. We're not truly stirred by God unless physically we change or physically we move. You know someone has a really good idea when people that are sitting actually stand up and do something. Or people that are sitting move to the edge of their seat and actually it changes their aspect. You know when you're telling a really good story and you're telling a really good, like a punchline at the end? If you stopped and didn't finish the story, what would be the response if it was a good story? All right, if it's a bad story, nobody cares. But if it's a good story, what's the response? Keep going. Where are you at? And they get it, you know, get closer and closer and closer, right? You want to get in close. And that's the hard part about the social distancing is if someone's telling you a really good story, <laughs> you, you just keep getting closer and you get closer and you're getting closer because you want to hear it. Whenever God is calling us to do something and whenever he stirs our heart, we should be moved. And I've seen this here at Bethel for a long time since I've been here uh, as your pastor that many times when we're called to worship, most of us are just standing around. Most of us don't feel the compelling move of God in our hearts to worship. And I'm not talking about just the music. I'm talking about the way we interact with one another. I'm talking about the way we're listening to God's word. I'm talking about the way we give our offerings is that it's all worship. And a lot of us just sit around and are not moved to action. So I have some questions for you before we jump into verse 1. Is God good? That took a little while to respond. So is God good? Yes, I know that we only have coffee there, and you got to be served by someone. I know that some of you need extra coffee. Hopefully, you got it on your way. We don't have donuts. Hopefully, you got the donut on your way somewhere else. Is God good? Yes. Hey, God is good. Okay, has God done anything for you? Yes. Can you think of a moment this week where God showed up in your life? Yes. Have you been rescued from your sin? Yes. Have your needs been met? Yes. Okay, so... All those things are a response to the goodness of God. We should be moved to worship. I'm curious if anybody's been stirred lately. And we talked about kids stirring their parents and spouses stirring the, stirring the spouses. But I'm talking about even on a deeper heart level. Have you been stirred by the goodness of God lately? If you have, there should be some action that follows. So Cyrus didn't let the stirring just sit there. He actually sent a proclamation throughout the whole land. So look at verse 1. It says, In the year of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah. Remember, this was hundreds of years before. Fulfilled the word. It said, He stirred the heart of Cyrus, what? To put out this proclamation in writing and send it throughout his kingdom. Cyrus did something. An unbelieving king, a person that did not know God, God stirred him to action, and he actually did it. So many of us are stirred by God and never do anything about it. So many of us become complacent and apathetic, and we're asked to take steps towards following Jesus, but most of us don't make any effort to do it. It reminds me of a song that was written in 1980, and I heard way too many times growing up. Um, full disclosure, hate the song. Love the lyrics. So if you look it up, you say, man, Ray is just, it's called stirred, but not changed. 
It says like this. It says, oftentimes my heart has been stirred by the things that I've heard about so many who have never heard God's word. And though through tears would fill my eyes, all too soon I'd realize that though my heart had been stirred, my life has not changed. And then the, the verse, the chorus says, I'm so tired of being stirred about the lost who never heard or who need to hear. I'm so tired of being stirred at his coming is so near. I'm so tired of being stirred till I cry bitter tears. I'm so tired of being stirred but not being changed. And if you can imagine this in an old, slow, it's like that. So forget that. But the song, the lyrics, actually represent a lot of us. Where we hear the word of God or we have a conversation that's a spiritual conversation and it stirs us like there's life there. And then when we walk away, nothing changes, nothing happens. So when was the last time you were stirred of God? When was the last time you did something about that stirring? Did you make any effort to follow his leading? Did you lean in and ask more questions? So here's the, here's the bottom line truth this morning that I don't want you to miss, is that if we don't move, we were never stirred. So some people just are never stirred. That's why they don't move. But if we are stirred and don't move, we're disobedient. So if we don't move, we were never stirred. But if we're stirred and don't move, we're just being disobedient. Haven't you experienced this with people around you, your kids? If you have kids, this is like a normal thing. Um, I've told you we have a dog now. I don't know why I'm talking about a dog again at church. This is ridiculous, you know, ridiculous. But we have a dog, and it is disobedient, like straight-up disobedient. Makes me so angry. And we have these little birds on our property, little killdeer birds, little babies just hatched. And he, when he sees them, man, he just goes. And I'm like, Remy, stop. And I whistle, and I'm trying to get him back. He will not listen. So last week we were out. We were out of the house, and um, someone decided to leave him outside. wasn't me. And so my mother-in-law is chasing him around the property, and uh, he gets one of these birds and carries it into the, under the table. <laughs> and so she's crawling under the table, getting this dead bird out. You need to teach Remy not to grab birds. And I'm like, mm, we need to teach Remy to stay inside <laughs> in the back porch. It's the stirring, the hearing, the knowing, the calling, and doing nothing about it and doing our own thing. Don't, don't you think, if you, if you can reflect a little bit over the last few months, don't you think that as a whole country, as a world, we were halted in our tracks as, as one, and God was simply calling and saying, hey, don't forget, I'm in control. Hey, don't forget, I haven't moved. Don't forget, I have a plan. Don't forget, I need the church to stand up and do something and serve. Don't forget that I'm here still, and I want to use you to make a difference in the people's lives around you. Don't forget that I want you to unify on mission so that this mission continues because the days are numbered and I'm coming back and anyone who does not hear about Jesus or does not know Jesus, Scripture says, will be lost for eternity. That's not just a preacher saying that. That's what Scripture says from the beginning. God is calling people to himself from day one all the way to the end. He's been calling people to himself. And as a world, we were stopped in our tracks so that we could reflect and remember, oh, I think I've got it all together, and I don't. 
I think that I control my destiny, and I don't. I think I control the narrative of our world, and I don't. Someone else is in charge. Remember, if we're stirred and don't move, all we are is disobedient. Each of you have a story to share. If God has stirred you and if God has moved you, God has awakened your spirit, we need to do something about it. Now, social media right now, I mean, what a mess. It's a cesspool. And yet, there's an opportunity for each of us to be a light in a dark place. There's an opportunity for us to stand up and say and do something different. We don't have to repost and retweet all the junk, but we can talk about Jesus and how he can make a difference in your life. All of us have a camera on our phones. Most of us have a camera on our phones, and we can take a five-minute moment, and we can just tell our story to the world. Never before in history could we do that. And yet today, you can like, comment, and share positive posts like this one today at Bethel. You can like, comment, and share it. And you can create a voice in a dark place on social media. You can share your story of how you came to know Jesus. And you can share it with all your friends. You can open your mouth and create relationships that are God-honoring. You can be a good neighbor. You can serve here at the church. Everyone can be an evangelist. I got a funny you know, meme sent to me when we first started um, the online services from home. And it's like, all of a sudden, overnight, every pastor is a televangelist. And that's funny, except overnight, all of you can become a televangelist. Not the slimy kind, not that, but the kind that actually shares hope in a world that's so divisive, in an online experience that's so divisive and so triggering, you can take a moment and make a difference. So I want to encourage you, anytime you see Bethel Community Church post anything, would you like and comment on it and share it? Because what that'll do is that'll give Bethel a bigger reach, but it'll give you a part of the mission because this is us coming together on mission. Verse 2 says this, this is what the king Cyrus of Persia says, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Any of you who are his people, man, let's say that again, okay? Any of you who are his people, let's say that together on the count of three. Any of you who are his people, all right? One, two, three. Any of you who are his people, now listen to this, may go to Jerusalem in Judah to rebuild the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives in Jerusalem, and may your God be with you. Wherever this Jewish remnant is found, let their neighbors contribute toward their expenses by giving them silver and gold, supplies for the journey, and livestock, as well as a voluntary offering for the temple in Jerusalem. It says, any of you who are his people. Right now, many Christians, quote-unquote, are asking themselves, do I need the church? You might be asking yourself the very same thing. Do I really need the church? Many of you have been a part of the church for years and are wrestling with your desire and your need to regather with other believers. You may be the one that's being stirred to rebuild God's church. So the question is, does the church need me? Yes. Yes. The church needs you. Because like Pastor Reuben said last week in our discussion, that every believer coming together, finding their place using their gifts, makes this heaven on earth, makes this the place that's attractive. And so if you don't use your God-given gifts for the church, there'll be this huge gap that needs to be filled by someone. 
And we always say this, and it's the truth. It's not about us. It's all about Jesus. It's not about us. It's all about others. Cyrus understood God's authority. He understood his purpose for being on earth. He understood his leadership. He understood there would be a cost to rebuild. And here's what I see at Bethel. I see that we are experiencing a new gathering method and model, online and in person, kind of a crossover. A new purpose for our mission. A new energy to fulfill the mission. And a new unity that has never been seen before. Because when two or three are gathered on purpose, with the same purpose, they are unstoppable. You know, here at Bethel, we need a lot of things to make this work. With our new online experience, which we've had for years, there's things that we need. We need people that'll be cameramen, and we need people to be producers. We need people that'll be facilities team. We need people that'll be on our safety team, our host team. At Bethel, there's a cost. There's a cost to reset. There's a cost to return to a new beginning. It's not free. And even though we've been separated from one another for a while, I shared with you weeks ago that our staff has worked relentlessly to connect you and one another to the ministry. Our staff prays for you every single week. Every Monday morning, we gather and we pray for you because we know that we need one another. Maybe God would move in your heart this week and maybe you'd consider, thank you, maybe you'd consider jumping on board with what God is doing here at Bethel. I've asked Christy to come up and share with me uh, for a few minutes about some of the stirring that God has done in her life and then in my life. And, and really what it comes down to is 2,000 years ago, God moved in the heart of his son. His son came to earth. His son was around people. He clearly followed the Father's mission. Scripture says over and over again that he obeyed the Father. He obeyed the Father. He obeyed the Father. And so if he f obeyed the Father, he was sent to the cross to die. He obeyed him, and he followed him all the way to the cross. He took on my sin. He took on your sin. He paid my price, and he died to set me free. Now, Christy, we've had a lot of time to discuss and talk about and kind of meditate. What, what is God doing? Because for a pastor to be separated from his people for a week or two weeks or three months is not normal. And so what has God stirred in your heart? What is changing in your heart? Um, well, right away, right when this whole um, quarantine started, I kind of found myself in a, I, I refer to it as curled up in a ball eating chocolate frosting. Yes. Not that I was actually eating frosting this time, but I, I, I found myself just kind of like fearful and anxious and oh, I don't want to get sick. I don't want someone I love to get sick. I don't know how to homeschool my kids, you know, just like all these things. And I became overwhelmed. And one of the things that quickly came to me, which scared me was, do I even believe in God? Do I even believe he can take care of this? And my response was, Lord, yes, I believe. Help my unbelief. Like, like the man in Mark who said, God, I believe you help my unbelief. And it's like, I do believe you can do it, but I, I mean, what do I do? And in that moment, I knew I needed to just run to his word because I knew that's where I could find truth. I knew that's where I could find his guidance. And so um, I, I can't say that, oh, yeah, then everything was better for the next eight, ten weeks. I don't remember how long it was. Um, I found myself often in a state of being anxious or depressed, and I'd be like, what am I doing? I got to get back. I don't do this. Get back to God's word. And one thing that he showed me over and over again 
whether it was in a Bible plan I was doing with the ladies or whether it was just um, reading a different book, listening to a podcast, reading the Bible, was this idea of gratefulness, thankfulness, praise, rejoice. And how I kind of translated that into action was anytime I did find myself feeling anxious or depressed, I just started being thankful. What does that look like? Um, Okay, I just need to sit down and write down some things I'm thankful for. And I got a little book, and I, it's like a daily thing, like a little diary like my grandma had. And every day I write down something. There's got to be some th- one thing you can be thankful for every day. And so that's kind of an action that I started. And I feel like I've shared that with so many people in the last month or so is if they're anxious or feel fearful, I'm like, okay, what are you thankful for? And they're like, what? That's not what we're talking about. And I'm like, no, just give me a second. Just be thankful for a second. Because being thankful is like the prescription for this this anxiety, for complaining, for depression. If we stop and we're able to thank God and rejoice him for where he is, then we can get through it. And something else that God stirred within me, like just the family time was great. And it's made me want to keep doing that. Playing games with our kids and eating dinner together was something we did, but it just kind of reinforced that. And um, one thing that sounds silly... It's kind of against this, but he's kind of stirred me to stop getting stirred up over silly things. Right. You know, there's so much going on right now that we can be stirred up about. What Are you doing this or this? Are you wearing a mask? Are you not wearing a mask? I mean, the list is so long. And really, one thing he's been speaking to me about is don't get stirred up about that. Like, don't get, don't get excited and into an argument about something that doesn't matter. Let's use our... Um, opportunities, our voice for something good, for something positive, for something loving. I'll just talk louder. I don't. And and so that is another thing that it's like, especially in these last couple of weeks, that I feel like God is stirring me to just be positive and don't get in the fight of just the silly stuff. Yeah, you're talking about being triggered. So those batteries just flew out of there. Mm-hmm. That's triggered. So you're being triggered. Mm-hmm. and chaos and stress. Right. Um, one of the things that Christy, um, knowing her for 20-some years, she's very systematic in, like, she wants a plan. She yep. wants to execute the plan. Yep. She's not the kind to go on vacation just like, let's go and let's just fly by the seat of our pants. She's not that way. She has to know almost every detail. Well, I'm on the other side where I'm like, eh, I know where we're going. We're going to have a good time. Let's just go see what happens. And Christy does not like that. So the last three months in Christy, and I've seen this stirred up in her, is this... Almost like a flexibility. I didn't know we were like pointing stuff out on people. You can point I, me out okay, all, all day long. That's fine. No, I'm not pointing out any flaws. <laughs> I like this about you because we need some structure. But what I'm saying is like the last three months has been very um, stirring to hold that stuff loosely. Right. And then if it doesn't happen, it's not like the world's over. And I think right. that's really some of the things we've learned together. Um, I know that as far as ministry goes, it yeah. has been different than anything we've ever done in ministry and uh, me watching you I have seen just a different level of not really stress but just concern and how am I going to lead people when I can't be with people so what is God stirring you like with the church it's interesting because what I what I see as far as the stirring of God for me is really getting back to the basics a lot of times we get super distracted in church and in life in general, 
and we forget why we got into ministry in the beginning, why God called us into ministry. Um, those of you that do any kind of uh, social work or work with people, one of the first reasons you did that is because you saw a need and you stepped into that. Well, in church, it's the same thing. Like, we think about one person that doesn't know about Jesus, and we're like, I want to be someone that goes after that one person that doesn't know Jesus. Well, then over time, we lose the allure of the one. And when I, when I looked at Jesus' life and I reflect on Jesus' life, even those last three months, is that Jesus never, yes, he was in the multitudes, yes, he was in the crowds, but if you think about the most impactful ministry he had, it was always in a conversation. It was always one-on-one. -on -one. It was always to the disciple. It was always to the person that was up close and personal. And so one of the things God stirred in me is that we as a church, we need to get back to this one. I, I want to ask a question, and I've asked myself this. Who is at Bethel Community Church because of you? Who is on the mission of God? Who is in the, the life of a disciple, a follower of Jesus because of you? We, we understand that God is the one who redeems and God's the one who saves, but he uses people. He uses us to open our mouth to make a difference. And so who has been affected by my life in a positive way? Who have I discipled to carry the mission to the next generation? So it's a personal one-on-one -on -one thing. And I think that's what God stirred in me is let's get our church back to this one-on-one -on -one personal discipleship ministry. And it's kind of like what I just said was the opposite. It's like, am I pushing people away, like actively? Like, no. I don't want to get stirred up and over something that's not God, something that's not true, something that doesn't matter. And by doing that, sometimes we push people away. Right. And so it's kind of the opposite, you know, of what you just said. What are we doing to bring people in? Right. And, and one thing I was thinking about, um, I think sometimes we're like, oh, stirred. I have to have this big idea of something God's never taught me before. Maybe I haven't read before when God speaks to you. But, like, the idea of gratefulness and thankfulness, I've known that my whole life. You know, that's something I've yeah. grown up. Say thank you. It's something I've known my whole life. But just right now, God is just really like, You've got to be thankful in everything. You have got to give praise. You have got to rejoice because in those things, that's how you kind of withstand whatever comes your way. Right. And I think the children of Israel, uh, back to the book of Ezra, there's a whole group of people that came back to Jerusalem and they brought new people that were born in captivity back to Jerusalem. And we're going to see over the next few weeks how they're returning made a difference for the next generation. And, and I think one of the things I'm going to ask you just to think about um, if God stirs you to do something and stirs you to open your mouth and stirs you to make a difference, you don't have to, like Christy said, do something grand. It's more let's cheer the next generation on to do something. Let's cheer the next generation on to be the banner bearers of Jesus because without that, my kids won't be discipled. Um, my opportunity that I have to influence the next generation will be lost. And so as we're returning, as we're doing this do-over, let's make sure we return and cheer the next generation on that have never seen it before, okay? Um, we're going to sing together this morning. One of the things about the song we're going to sing is the Run to the Father. Christy has said this before. Uh, we, we sing this. There's a line in this song that is again and again and again. And so we're asking God to stir up our hearts. We're asking God to open his arms. He's, we're asking him to allow us to come back with a do-over and again and again and again. He says, yes, come. Yes, come. Scripture ends with the Father calling us to come. And so let's all stand together and let's sing together, run to the Father, and I'm going to pray right before we sing. God, thank you so much for Jesus. God, thank you so much for the Father who loves us enough to sometimes discipline us. 
the Father that loves us enough sometimes to um, take us into isolation in order to make a difference in our lives. God, this Father is available for us to run to again and again and again. I pray this morning, if there's anyone watching, if there's anyone here in person that does not know you, I pray that their hearts would be stirred, that they would step into a relationship with you, and God, that their lives would be changed. We know that because of Jesus, we have hope, and because of Jesus, we have a mission, and because of Jesus, we have the gifts to accomplish the mission. God, we love you. We thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. 